want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives to share their top tips for success with you. Uh, my name is Adam Torres, and you can follow me on Instagram at, at AskAdamTorres. And as always, if you'd like to apply to be a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author. Uh, really excited today. I'm going to have... Stuart Foster on the line, and he is the head of client solutions for Build, Scale, Prosper. Uh, Stuart, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. Great to be here. So I, I looked at your your background and obviously what your company currently does. And I mentioned we have a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs on the line, and you know, scaling is is a big uh, hot button for any business owner that wants to um, increase their footprint. But before we get into your current company, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background just on how you got into entrepreneurship and business? Well, I think like most great things, it happened largely by accident. Um, <laughs> I graduated back in 2007 um, from a small college in Maine called Bates College. Um, majored in English, didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, and kind of through Providence fell into marketing and advertising. Um, and one of the big tasks at my first job that I was kind of tasked with um, before the entire bottom of the economy fell out was social media. Um, and I was heavily active on uh, Dig and Reddit and a variety of other different uh, platforms, um, primarily driven towards driving SEO results. Um, and I was able to parlay that into a company and a blog called The Lost Jacket. Um, did that worked as a lost jacket for about three years. Um, and then in early 2009, um, was poached um, by a company that I actually um, competed with on a pitch, <laughs> Mo and Advertising. And wow. decided to um, basically hire me um, to help build out their social department. Um, was able to work with a ton of great people and was able to kind of refine the skills that I had, you know, kind of learned on my own, if you will, and apply them to the greater business world. And from there, um, worked on um, brands like Get Blue and Barnes & Noble, um, later on Volkswagen and Discover Card, um, and kind of did the um, the whole big advertising agency thing for um, almost about um, eight or nine years um, before hanging out my shingle um, for a company called Hustle Born. Um, where I worked there for three years, and then I was acquired um, by my current company, uh, Built to Prosper, where I'm now the head of client solutions. Um, and it's a little bit interesting because, you know, I've gone from someone that was very tactical to now that someone who's extremely strategic um, in the kinds of projects that I'm working on with my current partner, Eric Schlesinger. Wow. So you were you were back in social in 2007? Yep. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's like I know that that's like whoa, way back in time. I know that wasn't that long ago, but that's amazing. I'm thinking about, geez, you were there. I didn't even know social was a thing at that time. I mean, I remember being at um, sitting at my desk, and that was it was for fun and for play. But I didn't know anything about what it would be today. That just blows my mind. 2007. Um, so what do you, what would you tell, let's say, the, the new college grad or somebody that's coming out? So you were majoring in English, and then you took an opportunity, um, essentially, to 
uh, to, to work in advertising. What would you say to the new college grad who maybe had a major and some of the opportunities that are coming to him um, or her are not in their field? I mean, what's your thought on that? Um, I think you never know what kind of an experience is going to lead into something that you truly love. Um, I actually had to take a pay cut um, after college um, because I was working a union job, <laughs> running a front-end motor in a uh, forklift. Um, so that was a little bit of a wake-up call, you know, when you, when you start getting, you know, oh, I thought college was supposed to make my life, you know, easier, not necessarily harder right off the bat. Um, so I think it was just a matter of staying hungry and really working hard and, you know, it, it's, I, I graduated certainly into a very nice economy followed by one of the worst economies ever um, mm -hmm. and was able to stay employed and continue to kind of grow both my expertise and, you know, the opportunities that I saw, I was very hungry for them. And quite frankly, I just wanted to outwork um, everyone around me. Um, and that was really that and a lot of luck with mentors. Um, worked with uh, one of the partners at Mullen, uh, Edward Bochess, pretty heavily. Um, and, you know, was able to afford a lot of opportunities. And there were some, you know, probably protected me <laughs> for the mm -hmm. first, you know, year or so that I worked there because, you know, as someone that, you know, had come from a very small company to a very large organization. I mean, IPG is one of the top four advertising polling groups in the world, and Mullen was a big part of that. Um, wow. A lot, lot of things to learn, if you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, no, and let's talk a little bit more about social. I mean, we, we might as well, since you, since you were there and the, the pioneering it from the beginning, basically. <laughs> so compared to where we're at, where we've been, where we're at, where do you think we're headed, like, overall with social media, social selling? Um, can it can a bit, and I'll tell you where I'm going with it. Is it can a business owner not have it anymore? You can. You're just not going to be very successful. Um, in, in terms of longer term strategy, it obviously depends on what level your business is at, how fast your growth is accelerating, um, whether or not you're stagnating. Um, you certainly need to have the outposts, um, if you will, meaning just having a profile on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera just so customers can find you and dig a little bit into you. Um, I think the best kind of model still is really the hub and spoke model, um, where you're having various funnels on those platforms driving into lead forms on your website, um, and hopefully into a conversation, um, depending on what your business is. That's more for a B2B, but for a B2C, it's probably just direct conversion um, on the site or you know brand awareness, depending on what vertical you're operating within. Um, but it is extraordinarily valuable, um, but also extraordinarily time-consuming um, to do social right, quote-unquote. Um, and it really depends on what you're trying to get out of it, you know, whether or not you're trying to use it as a customer service vehicle, whether or not you're using it for, you know, brand awareness, um, or just to kind of engage with the community at large and kind of build up your profile. Um, it really comes down to what kind of goals you set out for yourself and what kind of things you want to do on the platform. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of our largest clients currently, um, Innovative Express Care here in Chicago is a primary care urgent care 
um, and we deal with a lot of regulated industries um, within the cannabis certification market um, and managing regulations because, you know, social is kind of a closed loop for those regulated industries because, you know, a lot of them are technically against the U.S. and it's kind of a fine line that you have to walk um, in order to kind of, you know, build a community that's powerful, but also, you know, make sure that you're, you know, towing the line of, you know, TUS and making sure that you're well in um, compliance. Yeah, and, and I mean, it just kind of blows my mind because if we think about, okay, I, I understand, you know, certain businesses may not use it as much, but I'll tell you one thing, um, you know, like you said, going forward, I mean, the real question is, you know, you start, in my opinion, you start small, you have to, you start something because what's not going to happen is you can't just start one day and catch up. Like you have to have a backlog of content. Like you can't just start one, even if you have the money, even if you have the, you know, the expertise, like you have to start. It's a trickle to build your community around your product, brand awareness, whatever you're doing. You don't just start a Twitter like day one and it's all of a sudden, you know, doing well or you're communicating with your customer base. It's going to take some time. So I always tell business owners, um, you know, just start. Like start small if you have to, if you can, hire somebody, but start doing something so that when people dig to find more about your company, there's something out there and you're not you're not a ghost <laughs> um, is what it comes down to. Um, well, Absolutely. So, Stuart, let's talk a little bit more about uh, about what you're currently doing. Let's talk about Build, Scale, Prosper. Um, who are your clients? How do you help them? Absolutely. So, um, Build, Scale, Prosper is a business advisory consultancy. Um, and what that means is that we help businesses grow. We look at marketing, sales, and operations. We try to figure out the quickest way to get your customers into that funnel and into paying customers. Um, and we do a lot of process work, a lot of templatization, and a lot of automation um, for these types of brands. And we've kind of, we, it's been an evolution because my original company, Hustle More, that I started um, about four years ago before kind of, you know, being bought out, by, if you will, by Build, Scale, Prosper, was a creative agency in every state of the word. Um, Basically, we were, you know, very traditional. We wanted to be product consultants and develop products, but uh, ended up paying the bills with a lot of uh, strictly marketing work and a lot of design things. And, you know, my background is was as a Darian strategist um, for advertising companies. So I would be writing the brief, doing research, you know, interviewing various folks around, you know, how and why customers were trying to buy the products that they were and trying to fill that need. And what we found is that a lot of companies don't necessarily think about strategy when they think about marketing and sales as much as they probably should. And we're the people that really like to ask those kind of, you know, tough and interesting questions about, okay, well, what problems is your product or service solving for your customers? And can you fully articulate that? in a meaningful and interesting way. And a lot of times, it's just a checking of the box. Oh, well, yeah, we do marketing. Well, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Why are you doing it in this way? Um, how much of a percentage is it in terms of your overall budget? And there's just various different things that you can look and you can kind of see from an asset allocation point of view, 
whoa, you know, you're way too heavy or you're way too light in some of these departments. And a lot of it's just right-sizing those individual departments um, and putting the money that would have been earmarked for something else into the right areas and then working with the leadership teams to really develop out actual repeatable, scalable approaches. <laughs> that's sense. great. And, and so what are the si- what's the size of the typical companies you work with? Sure. Um, so we, if, if you're familiar with the SARS model, um, basically startup turnaround, accelerated growth, realignment, and sustained success, um, we tend to stick with the uh, accelerated growth and the realignments um, just because that's where we really like to play. Um, from a budgetary, like from a size perspective, it's usually in the neighborhood of, you know, one million plus um, in terms of re- annual revenue. Um, and then, you know, kind of our sweet spot being that middle market between, you know, five and $25 million a year. Um, because that's usually when you have either bloated or underscale, understaffed um, departments, and you can actually start to have real change and you can start to do some really interesting things with the alignment of resources and how you're going through and how you can help them kind of either cut the fat or put on some muscle. What are some common themes that you come across, you know, working with different companies? Like, I, I know there's got to be a couple that you, you, you see often. Marketing is almost always undervalued because it's poorly understood and not very well measured usually. Um, sales can be kind of a stick because technically, you know, you look at that allocation of resources and you go, okay, well, then I'm going to be able to get X amount of dollars based off that higher. And it's a little bit easier to translate from a simple math perspective. Um, but a lot of times, you know, marketing can be driving sales. And sometimes sales can drive, you know, how and which, you know, you scale up your operations. Because if you're driving customers into the funnel that are, you know, either short-term or mid-term and you're set up for longer-term operations where you want to make sure that your, you know, your churn is down, you can cause yourself a lot of problems just by bringing in the wrong customers into your ecosystem. Um, and a lot of it's just product market fit um, in terms of approach. Um, you hear that terminology a lot in the product and the startup world, but it's absolutely true for sales organizations as well. It's like, okay, what's, what's the customer product fit? And how do please, we kind of please define? Let, let the, I, I love this area you're going, and I love where you're going with it. Please define it for the audience. Product market sure. fit. So product market fit is basically, does your product match up with a market that actually wants it? And is it priced accordingly? Is it, are the quantities correct? Is the product that you're selling? What is your actual pricing structure look like? Are there tiers to it? How does it fit in then into the overall operations? so you can scale appropriately because you don't want to get into a place where you've either oversold a product, you know, and you have, you know, an operational nightmare as a result of that. I always like to joke that the best way to kill your company is with great marketing because if you have this great marketing and you have a poor product, more people are going to find out that you have a poor product and they're going to be in a world of hurt because you haven't looked at the overall, you know, problem that was kind of fundamental because you can you can sell anything you can market anything and all it requires is money and bodies but if the underlying product or service is flawed then you're going to be in a lot of trouble really quickly because 
you are selling a false pretense and your solution does not work for your clients. That's great. And another way I like to say product market fit and everything you said was correct. The way I like to think of it is do people want to buy it from you? They may be buying the product from somebody else. That doesn't mean they're buying it from you. I go through this all no, the time. No, no. Especially working with people in their startup, and, and I'm, in, I'm, you know, I'm all about the entrepreneur and helping in any way I can. But the question is, you know, somebody else launched that product. Somebody else is doing that. I understand, and they may or may not be making money from it. I'm not looking at their books. But if I'm looking at yours, are they buying it from you, yes or no? And is it time to pivot? So that's a theme that I have and a question I have to um, field quite often. So I love that you brought it up on the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, you know, and, and often poorly understood aspect of it because a lot of people start digging into process and tactical fixes first and don't really kind of look the basics sometimes of, you know, all right, I'm just going to take you on face value. You know, <laughs> I yeah, think that hypothesis is, is correct. Yeah, that's you pretty costly. You lose a lot of money that way really quickly. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, measure well, twice, cut once. <laughs> so where where can people reach you, Stuart? So they're listening to this. They're saying, "Hey, you know, I, I might, I'm, I can probably get some help from this guy. How do I contact him? Where should they go to find you?" Sure. Uh, so we're online at buildscaleprosper.com, um, and then the best way to reach me is to reach out to my sales email, hello at buildscaleprosper.com. Um, you can all find right. us on all social media as well, um, and LinkedIn is a great place to hit me up as well. Perfect. Well, hey, Stuart, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, so, um, sharing your tips with the audience and definitely product market fit. Everybody listening, um, rewind, Google it, make sure you have that ingrained, especially if you're starting a new company or if the one that you're currently working on maybe isn't doing exactly what you want it to. Got to get, gotta get back to the basics. Um, as always, um, Adam Torres, follow me on Instagram at, at AskAdamTorres. And if you'd like to apply to author in one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author. Stuart, thanks again. I appreciate your time.